Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for being our good God, for providing that abundant grace that uh, that saved us, that upholds us, that gives us strength to walk, to live in this life, that that enables us to know you, to understand your word, to love one another, all the things that uh, that are essential to this life, Lord, you provide for us, and we and we thank and we praise you for it. And we pray, Father, that you would teach us tonight and enlighten our eyes, open our hearts. And, Father, as we, uh, as we wait upon you, we pray that, uh, that your power would manifest itself in and through us to your glory in our Savior's name. Amen. Oh, yeah, we still got the chirping... Uh... <laughs> Oh, is that what it is? A, a low battery? Okay. That's that makes sense. All right, Romans chapter eleven. I say then, hath God cast away His people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away His people, which He foreknew. What ye not? What the Scripture saith of Elias? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace, And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Okay. We... um, we were coming out of uh, out of chapter ten last week, and Paul was talking about the uh, he's been talking about in these in these last uh, couple of chapters the the casting away and the and the fall of the nation of Israel. And in the latter part of chapter ten, just by way of review, his point there is that uh, that God sent preachers and He sent the message and He told. Uh, the nation of Israel that this was going to happen. He said there, uh, uh, verse 18 of chapter 10, But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. And we talked about that foolish nation last week and who that is. But Isaiah is very bold. And saith, I was found of them that sought me not, and I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith all day long, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. So Paul has been making the argument um, for the setting aside of the nation of Israel in this dispensation. So then now as we come into chapter 11, He starts out by saying, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. So now wait a minute. Has God cast away his people or hasn't he? Look further on in the chapter, verse 15. 
Romans 11.15 For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? So they have been cast away. So what does Paul mean here when he starts out this chapter saying, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. Well now what Paul is going to do now in this chapter in this last of the of the three chapters 9 10 and 11 he's talked about Israel and uh, and how they should have known he's talked about Israel and where God has has put them today and now he's going to talk about the limited and temporary nature of the casting away of the nation of Israel He's been talking about and demonstrating, proving, uh, and showing by Scripture the, uh, the fact that Israel has been set aside. But Paul doesn't want us and God doesn't want us to, to take from that that, okay, now God is done with that nation. That the Jews are cursed, the nation of Israel is 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 cast away, and God is through with them. Uh, he doesn't. Paul doesn't want us to get that idea because it isn't true. So he says, "Hath God cast away His people? God forbid." Now we know from what we've been reading up until now, and again, verse 15 there, that the nation of Israel has in fact been cast away but not entirely and not permanently. Not entirely first. Um, Hath God cast away His people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul's argument here that God has not entirely cast away the, the Jewish people is the fact that he himself is a Jew uh, of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. So obviously God has not shut the door of salvation uh, on Jewish people. You can't go out there uh, uh, thinking and, and saying that there is no salvation for a Jewish person today. Paul is... Um, is a great proof that there is in fact salvation for the Jewish people today. So God has not shut them out uh, on a personal level, on an individual level. They are not cast away. Um, God hath not cast away His people, verse 2, which He foreknew. What ye not what the Scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? Now, by the way, that uh, quote from Elijah there is after uh, after he has the great uh, victory on, on Mount Carmel, and he, uh, he, he has all the 400 prophets of Baal, uh, gather around and call on their God to to accept their sacrifice, and they're dancing around and cutting themselves and doing all this stuff, and nothing. Silence. Elijah gets up there, and he says, uh, "Lord," and fire comes down from heaven and consumes the the sacrifice and the, and the moat of water that he had poured around it, and all of those things, and. Uh, and coming off of this great spiritual uh, victory that he has, and and he kind of uh, 
the nation kind of feignedly turns back to the Lord, that is, not in, uh, not in full sincerity, uh, but for the convenience of the moment. But as a result of that, Jezebel puts out a, puts out a contract on Elijah's life. And, uh, and she says, I'm gonna, I want him dead. So Elijah uh, runs, he, he flees, and he goes off uh, underneath a juniper tree and he sits down and he says, Lord, I'm done. Just, just let me die. Take me. And uh, God says, no, I'm not going to do that. And he uh, brings him to Mount Horeb. And, uh, and God kind of says, what's the problem, Elijah? And Elijah says what Paul quotes here. Um, they've killed you at thy prophets. They've digged down thine altars. And, and I'm left alone. And they, and they seek my life. I'm the only one, Lord. I'm the only one. No one else is uh, is holding to your word. No one else. Everyone else has rejected your truth. I talk to people. I talk to people, and 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 I get uh, blank stares, or I get persecution. I get laughed at. Uh, I I get uh, disbelieved. I'm I'm all by myself out here, Lord. And uh, I know you've probably felt like that. I know I have. Uh, and Elijah did too, and and they were uh, they were looking to kill him. So he uh, he flees from that, and he's making his complaint to the Lord. He says, "Lord, you sent me out here to do this, and uh, I'm getting nothing here. I'm all by myself." But what saith the answer of God unto him? Verse four: I have reserved to myself. 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. So there is a kind of silent uh, um, uh, remnant there who's, who for whatever reason they're not making themselves known to Elijah. They won't uh, acknowledge him. They won't go and, and stand with him publicly, but they're there. And they and in their hearts they know the truth and they understand the truth and they hold to the truth. And even even though they may not make a a, a bold public stand, still they're they're refraining. They won't bow the knee to Baal. So they're not joining. They're not going along. So they are willing to isolate themselves and to separate themselves at least to that extent to where they're not participating in the, in the, uh, in the false religion of the day. So Elijah's got some, uh, got some support out there that, uh, that he doesn't know about. And, and, and you and I, we've got that too. Praise the Lord we know about it because we get to come together here and, and, uh, and glory in the things of the truth. But when we're not here and just out and about kind of in our daily lives, it's good to know. It's good to know the person you're passing on the street may or may not believe uh, very much like you do. The person you're thinking about talking to may say, "Hey, I'm already a Christian. Let's uh, let's talk about it." You know, you never, you you don't know who's out there. You don't know. Um, so, but but Paul's point here is that look at that time, uh, the the. Uh, 
the nation was not even then when it was steeped under Ahab in, in Baal worship and this false religion even then God had not completely cast off his people and that's Paul's point here come get a couple of passages here I want you to I want you to see the uh, the contrast 2nd Kings 23 2nd Kings chapter 23 and we're going to get Jeremiah 31 2nd Kings 23 Jeremiah chapter 31. In 2 Kings here, um, King Hosiah is uh, coming to the end of his life and he was a... uh, uh, a, a good king, a, a very impressive uh, uh, force in 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 the nation, uh, kind of turning back to God and and breaking down the uh, idolatrous uh, religion and, and so forth, uh, and all the things that that he did. They found the book of the law again. It had fallen into into uh, uh, misuse and and abuse and no use, and uh, he found it and pulled it back out and 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 tried to get the nation straight again. And verse 26 says, Notwithstanding, because this was after a long line of kings that had uh, been disobedient, Notwithstanding, the Lord turned not, this is Second Kings 23-26, The Lord turned not from the fierceness of His great wrath, wherewith His anger was kindled against Judah, because of all the provocations that Manasseh had provoked him withal. And the Lord said, I will remove Judah also out of my sight. As I have removed Israel, I will cast off this city Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house of which I said, My name shall be there. So here, uh, God says, I am going to cast them off. And that's what Paul's talking about, the nation of Israel being cast away. Here he's already done it to, uh, to the ten northern tribes. Now he's going to cast off Judah and the city of Jerusalem. And where you are here in, uh, in Second Kings is just before the, uh, the times of the Gentiles. If you look over in the next chapter, chapter 24, This is talking about Nebuchadnezzar in verse 10. At that time the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. In verse 15, And he carried away Jehoiachin to Babylon, and the king's uh, mother, and the king's wives, and his officers, and the mighty of the land, those carried he into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. And the and the times of the Gentiles begins here with the carrying away of the nation of Israel as God declares that He is going to cast them off. The city of Jerusalem is besieged by Nebuchadnezzar and the nation of Israel from that point as they're carried from Jerusalem to Babylon no longer has rule over themselves. They are no longer a sovereign nation. And the times, what Jesus called the times of the Gentiles, begins here with this 
casting off of, uh, of the nation. First Israel, finally Judah, and, uh, and then they are, they are literally carried away. Now that's significant. The timing is significant because what Paul is involved with in, in Romans chapter 11, what we're involved with today in this dispensation of grace is what Paul calls the fullness of the Gentiles. Now that's different than the times of the Gentiles, but there are many parallels between what happened here uh, with the carrying away of Israel into Babylon and what's happening today as Israel is cast off um, and the Gentiles, uh, God turns to the Gentiles. Now, so Israel is cast off there. So you say, well, if Israel was cast off there, how can they be cast off in Paul's day? Well, come over to Jeremiah chapter 31, and I want you to see. They're, they're cast off there in Second Kings. But again, it's not, and it was never God's purpose, to cast them off entirely or to cast them off permanently. Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah chapter 31 is the uh, is one of the primary passages on the new covenant. If you look verse 31, behold the days come saith the Lord 30, uh, Jeremiah 31:31 31, 31, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. Um, now, skip over just a bit to uh, verse 35. In that context now, Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of, a moon, of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured, and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. So there again, you've got a, um, the Lord talking about, in the, on the one hand, in the passage we just read in Second uh, Kings there, he's casting them off. On the other hand, here in Jeremiah, he says, I will never cast them off. You'd have to measure the heavens and, 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 and plumb the, the depths of the earth before I cast away this people. So, again, we've got the same situation as we have here in, uh, in our passage in Romans chapter 11. They're cast off, but they're not cast off. They're cast off partially, and they're cast off temporarily. And the, the difference here uh, is that new covenant. When that new covenant comes in, then that casting away is, uh, is reversed. And they are brought back. They're regathered. Regathered to God. Back in, in, in Romans chapter 11. Now they were cast off politically there. They were no longer the, uh, 
the great kingdom that they that they were in in Solomon's day and David's and and so forth. And in fact, they weren't a sovereign nation at all anymore. Here, Paul's talking about the spiritual casting away. And the nation of Israel has lost its, its, uh, its preferred place before God today in this dispensation. Uh, but again, any individual Jewish person can, is, is, is welcome to salvation, just like any individual Gentile was welcome to convert to Judaism when that was the program. But today, if a Jew's going to be saved, he needs to be saved like a Gentile. That is, he needs to understand faith in Christ and be saved by grace. Um, as opposed to the way it was before. When a Gentile wanted to be saved, he had to become like a Jew. Now it's been reversed. So, Elijah... Uh, thinks he's all by himself and Paul is drawing the parallel there even though it on the one hand God has cast away his people on the other hand not fully and not permanently that's Paul's point here so that he so he says in verse 5 even so then at this present time in this dispensation also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. So there is a uh, um, the, the the Jewish people are still have salvation available to them, but it's according to the election of grace. And if by grace, verse six, then it is no more of works. So there's a change. If a Jewish person wants to get saved today, he's going to have to change his view on how to approach God. It is no more of works. What did Paul tell us in in chapter 10, verse 4? Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So, So, yes, salvation is available to the Jewish people, but they're going to have to come... Uh, God's way. If by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. And what Paul is saying here in that in that uh, very kind of uh, labored and detailed way is that there's no mixing. You can't mix uh, grace and works. If salvation is by grace, then salvation is by grace, and there are no works involved. Once you insert a work into the salvation program, grace ceases to be grace. That's what Paul's saying here. If it's by works, then it's not of grace. And if you do try to insert a work, then grace is no more grace. You have changed the essence of, uh, of what God is doing today. You can't say salvation is by grace, but if you don't do this, that, or the other thing, then you don't get it. You can't say salvation is by grace uh, as long as you're baptized. You can't say salvation is by grace as long as you come to church. Or salvation is by grace as long as you, uh, as long as you don't go out and, and misbehave. You can't, you can't do that. It doesn't, it doesn't fit. Grace is of God. 
That's why it's the election of grace. You remember what he said back and look back in chapter 9. Chapter 9. Um, verse 10. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, he's talking about Esau and Jacob now, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. So that the the idea there and and back in chapter eleven is that that this is of God. It is not of him that willeth or of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. That's why you, you know you say, well, what's the problem with with having works uh, involved in salvation? The problem is that every anything that we put in takes away from what God has done. When you know when God told those guys back there uh, out in the wilderness with Moses, He said, "If you're going to build an altar, He said, build it out of dirt. And if you don't, if you build it out, if you want to build it out of stone, don't lay a tool on it. Don't smooth it. Don't chip it. Don't hammer it. Don't pollute." the altar. You take the stones the way I made them and you pile them up if that's what you want to do. But don't put your own hand on it. Don't put your own signature on that thing because you've polluted it. You've taken what I've done and you've tried to, uh, you've tried to enhance what I've done. And that's how God sees it. And that's what Paul is saying here. Salvation, the election of grace is purely of God. You notice what he said to uh, to Isaiah? Or to Elijah, I'm sorry. I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee. See, this is about God. Again, we're back to that sovereignty issue. This is about God's work and what He's done and what He's doing. It's not about what, what we can do. It's for us to believe it and receive it. So if it's by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. You nullify grace by inserting works. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Now, you know, people will, people will say, when you say, well, salvation is by, is by grace through faith and not works, then the question comes up, well, is faith a work? And the answer is no. Faith is not a work. And Paul tells you that here because he says, if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. You've changed. If you're going to take God's plan and call it a work, then you've changed the definition of work. Just like if you're going to try and insert works into God's plans, you've changed the definition of grace. That's why Paul says here, otherwise grace is no more grace, and otherwise work is no more work. Look, these words and these concepts and these truths mean things. You can't just come in here saying, well, yeah, salvation is by grace, but I'm going to redefine grace. Or you can't say, well, God says salvation is by grace, but He, but he requires you to believe, and that's a work. 
Well, no, it's not a work. You can't just come in and, and, and redefine uh, uh, God's terms. Work is work and grace is grace and the, and the two don't meet. That's Paul's point here. You can't mix the two. Um, what then, verse 7, Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. And we've seen that uh, in, in several times now in different ways Paul has been saying that Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for but the election hath obtained it and the rest were blinded now there verse 7 is how you get Israel cast away but not cast away because you have Israel who has not obtained that which he seeketh for, they were cast away. But the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So you have the election, and you have the rest. And the rest were cast away, and the elect were uh, received salvation. Whether they were part of that believing remnant, that little flock, later on, uh, Jews coming into the body of Christ. Again, Paul's talking about both. He's talking about people who believe in Jesus wherever they happen to fall dispensationally. Here he's talking particularly, he says, I'm an Israelite. And he brings us into this present time in verse 5. And he talks about the election of grace and so forth. So, uh, the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written in verse 8, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. So the, the nation of Israel uh, today is blinded. And we, we've, we've looked at this, but come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let's take a look at this passage. And I want to point something out to you beyond the... Uh, the blinding. I want to take a look at that here, but I want to I want to show you one thing in particular with regard to it. God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear, unto this day. Well, what is that spirit of slumber exactly? What did God give to the nation of Israel? Well, Paul talks about the blinding here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 um, into chapter 4, but let's start in chapter 3, verse uh, 13. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For until this... So back then... Their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Now Paul, and we've looked at this passage before, I think, in as we're going through Romans, but Paul's point here is that there is a glory of the Old Testament. But the glory of the Old Testament is veiled. There, there was a veil in front of it. And it was all... Uh, uh, the Bible says shadows and pictures and and types and and the full glory wasn't manifest in the Old Testament. It wasn't until the Lord Jesus Christ came that the veil came off 
And all of those shadows and pictures and types of in the Old Testament suddenly were revealed in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was and is the glory of the Old Testament. But when He showed up, God took that veil away and, and manifested Christ. They didn't, they didn't see it. The veil was never taken away for them. They refused to see that Jesus Christ was the glory of their Bible. So, the, so for their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. And that's true today. The Jews uh, will meet together in, in, in synagogue and in temple and, the, and they'll read the Mosaic Law and they'll read the Torah and they're reading all of those types and all of those pictures and all of those prophecies and all of those things that just fill their Bible pointing to Jesus Christ and they won't see it. And they don't see it. They're blinded. Now, verse 17, the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, not hidden behind a veil, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, continue reading. Chapter 4. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry... This uh, the the ministry of of uh, of glory of the Spirit back in chapter three verses three through eleven or so. Seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. <clears throat> but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. So there there uh, those things are still hidden. To the, to the Jews, and they have their own interpretations of what those things mean. And Paul says, we renounce that stuff. We renounce that, uh, uh, that, that lurking in the shadows back there that they do. The light has come. They're still talking about the hidden things, and they do it in, uh, in speaking lies and hypocrisy. And they talk about the hidden things of dishonesty, Paul calls it. We renounce that. Uh, it's not hidden anymore. We with open face behold the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ. So we renounce the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the Word of God deceitfully but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid... See, those Christ was hid in the Old Testament. He was behind the veil in pictures and types and shadows. But He's not hid today. He's out in the open. We can see it clearly. So Paul says, if our gospel is hid today, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Now when Paul quotes, and he says back in Romans 11, that God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear, what he's done is he's turned them over to the God of this world. 
The God of this world is that spirit of, of, of slumber. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. And they are under, like the rest of the lost world, like the Gentiles went under way back there at the Tower of Babel, Israel is now under the God of this world and that spirit of darkness, that power of darkness from which you, which you and I have been delivered and translated into the kingdom of Christ. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Now he's talking specifically about Israel here. Now this is what this statement is true of the whole lost world, but the context is the, is the blinding of Israel, same as Romans chapter 11. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So, that, uh, that blinding is the, um, the giving over of that nation. When God says, I will give unto them the spirit of slumber, God gave them up. Just like Paul talked about back in Romans chapter 1 when he was talking about the Gentiles. And he gave them over to the, to the prince of the power of the air. That's why Paul says, when he says, talks about the prince of the power of the air, it's the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's Israel. The children of disobedience there in Ephesians chapter 2 is the nation of Israel. And the prince of the power of the air is the spirit that now works in that nation. Now, back in Romans chapter 11. Knowing that, still, Paul's point here in this chapter is to not allow us, and for us not to allow ourselves, to get, uh, to get anti-Semitic and to start uh, hating that people and to start uh, um, uh, turning, turning bad on that, on that nation because the whole world is given over to this, to this uh, spirit of blindness. And now, just Israel has, uh, has, has joined them. They're no different than anybody else out there. There, uh, to, to single out the nation of Israel for our contempt is just as wrong and dispensationally incorrect as, to, as, as it is to single them out for our uh, uh, blessing and admiration. You can't look at that nation and say, well, that's God's people, we need to be good to them, and then God will be good to us. Well, that's what a lot of people do today. Well, that's just wrong. We ought to be good to them because they're our fellow human beings like we ought to be good to everybody. But you can't, on the other hand, you can't look at them and say, well, they're cursed and, there's a, and, and have contempt for that nation because they're Jews just like you can't uh, bless them because they're Jews. They're another nation among the nations. And both uh, sentiments are, are equally incorrect. So... God has given them. Now, what I, I want to take the last couple of minutes that we have here, and we won't we won't go any further. Again, verse eight, Romans eleven, verse eight. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. And you want to connect that verse 
to what we just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that the God of this world hath blinded their minds. And ears that they should not hear unto this day. Now, now that term, unto this day, we, we've been seeing that a lot. We see it here. We saw it over and over again in the passage we just read in 2 Corinthians 3 and 4. Let me You don't have to go back there, but let me go back there again and, and, and remind you. And I just want to point out the, uh, the, 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 that time issue. Uh, verse 14, we just read, Their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is, a, is upon their hearts. In, um, in Back in Romans chapter 11, again, they've, they've got eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear, unto this day. Now that comes out of um, Isaiah, but Moses says something very similar. Come back to the book of Deuteronomy. And I want you to see if I can see it, I'll show it to you. Um, Uh, I may not be able to find it now. I lost I, I lost my passage. But uh, Moses says something very similar, and he says that God has not given you uh, eyes to see or ears to hear unto this day. We're in, uh, you know what, it's earlier in Deuteronomy. Come back, uh, I'll find it, so I'm going to step out here. Come back to Deuteronomy 4. It was in the Bible this morning. There was <laughs> George. George used to George used to tell us about uh, about this Irish uh, this Irish Catholic uh, gentleman that he used to talk to, and uh, and he'd tell him he'd say, you know, you really shouldn't be praying to Mary and doing all that stuff. It's not in the Bible. And the guy would say, well, it was in the Bible this morning. You dirty Protestant heretic, you. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to find it, but there we are. Okay. Now, but here's the thing. Come, come back with me. I sent you over to Deuteronomy, and I, I can't find the passage, so I'm going to send you back. Come back to Hebrews chapter 5, and we'll get it there. Hebrews chapter 5. You see that over and over again. You know, the Lord said He gave those parables in Matthew 13. And the disciples said, Lord, what are you talking about? Why are you talking to them in parables? And, and he explained. He opened their understanding and he interpreted the parables for them and so forth. Then, later on in, in, in chapter 15, just a couple of chapters later, he tells another parable and they go, Lord, what are you talking about? And he goes, don't you yet understand? Are you still Blind? Are your ears still not open? And this idea of their eyes have they closed and their ears uh, uh, unto this day and even until now. Here in, in, 
in Hebrews chapter 5, um, talking about Melchizedek, verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. You see, God is 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 patient and long suffering with us in understanding spiritual things to a point. But there comes a time when when God says, "Look, you've been you've been reading and studying and I've been speaking to you and I've given you my word. Are you are you blind even until now? Even up to this day is the veil still not taken away? I've uh, you are you not familiar enough with the way I talk, with my words, and how my style uh, of getting truth across, is it still so unfamiliar to you that you're, that, that, that you're not getting it? There comes a point, Hebrews says, you're, they were dull of hearing and when for the time you ought to be teachers. You have need that one teach you again. And he goes on, verse 13, Every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. See, it's okay to be a babe when we're a babe. But there comes a point when you have to, uh, when you have to be weaned. And you have to uh, you have to get off the uh, off the bottle and, and onto the onto the solid food. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even to those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So, so this issue of uh, of blindness, and this is what Paul has been talking about uh, throughout this this portion of Scripture. He closed out chapter ten, saying, uh, quoting God, saying, "All day long." I stretched forth my hand unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. So there comes a time when you're when you're when you're new to the Word of God, or you're a new Christian, or whatever, and 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 people say, you know, this stuff is hard. And yeah, it it is. Now, I mean, the basics are are basic, but the hard stuff is hard. So so there's something in there for everyone. But there comes a point. After you've been around for a while, and after you know, there comes a point where you have to ask yourself: Is it because the word of God is too hard, or or is there something inside of me that's uh, that needs correction? Because there comes a time when. Uh, when our eyes are opened and our ears are no longer dull of hearing, doesn't mean you understand everything immediately. But we're not to be stumbling about in 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 darkness and in blindness our entire Christian life. There comes a time when our senses ought to be exercised enough to discern. Um, all right, we are going to stop there. <clears throat>